Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest who has allowed us into his home, into his office, his domain in the Gold Coast, sunny Queensland. Harcourt's the brand, Dane Atherton. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Gavin. Ptolemy Stevens, one of your top agents, good friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine since I was 16, 17. Some of the things we used to do are not for this podcast, so I won't talk about them, but we, we've got a special bond. He said to me when we were talking about you, because you're this character in the real estate industry that is of high note and often discussed you know, among the best of the best, he said to me, he's never met someone who doesn't like you. Oh, he hasn't looked hard enough. <laughs> I you, don't know. You'll find plenty in this city. I don't know because, I mean, I remember that particularly as I, as I was coming here to have a chat to you and I thought, you know, Jared, who's with me, my brother's very, um, he cuts through the bullshit with him. He's a very black and white sort of guy. But I said in my mind and I didn't want to test him. I'd like to see how he responds to you. I can just tell now that he likes you, right? So what do you think? And he'd be the, a tough nut to crack. He is the the toughest nut to crack. But I was watching him and I noticed certain things you did. Always thought of him being in the room, multiple choices of water. You know, it was, you're obviously phenomenal with people, right? You can tell that straight off the bat if that's where your shtick is. But what else would you put that down to? How can someone say such a great thing about you? I mean, I know he works with you, but I know it's the truth because multiple people have told me the same thing. Ivan Bresic, Jason Andrew, we've got a lot of mutual friends and the song is always the same. What does that come down to? Well, I think it comes back down to, that's a lovely compliment, by the way. Thank you. But I think competitors might not agree with that. But in saying that, I think it comes back to you just can't fake caring. Yeah. Like if you actually care yeah. about people and you don't want to do the wrong thing, now that doesn't mean that we make tough, don't make tough decisions and sometimes that doesn't go someone's way. But I think if you actually really care about human beings and you do the right thing, I know as cliched as that sound, no. I think that's the recipe. I don't think you can... I don't think you can fake that. I think it's just something that you do. You give a fuck. Yeah. And is that your driver? Because there's got to be part of, yes, I care about people, but also I've built a mammoth business with 170 employees that dominates our market in the Gold Coast. There's got to be an element of, I care about people, but I also care about my business excelling too. How do you balance that? Yeah, I've obviously got some drive there, yep. as you have, yep. plenty. Yeah. And I often try and ask, you know, where does that come from? Mm. Middle child syndrome, maybe? Right. But it could also be the fact that I, I really resonated with that Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, best content ever created. Oh, ever. And, and what I got out of it was he was always looking for reasons to be yes, motivated. Yes. And if I was to describe what motivates me, I love being underestimated yeah. and underrated. Yeah. And I kind of feel Underdog. like ever, ever since we started Harcourt's Coaster, I always felt like we were underestimated from the beginning. Yeah. And it goes from, oh, yeah, they're cute. Good luck. Sure. To, oh, okay, they've made an impact to, you know, they're now dominating. Yeah, and, and it's interesting now, that's changed now. So you've got to get yourself back in that hunting mentality, not the hunted. Yeah. Um, but I reckon that's a big thing. You know, being underestimated has, has been something that's driven me. And it's an amazing business, right? Because you talk about when you essentially started Harcourts was back in 2008, 2009 or- 2011. 2011, yeah. sorry, you said. And you had three employees or and, and now there are 170 yeah. So you've built that business up over the course of the last decade and some change from nothing to obviously something and now everything. 
Did you have a business plan around this is what I wanted to do? And if you did, where did that come from and how did you execute it? Like what were the fundamentals or the principles yeah. that you said we can't negotiate on in order to get to this place? Well, if you go back to my beginning of my career, I started as a, as a PA. A, an assistant um, a to personal, a sales agent. A personal assistant to a gentleman by the name of Andrew Gibbons. And I don't I know heard, whether you know that name. I've heard of that name. Right? So Andrew Gibbons was huge in the eastern suburbs. I was going to say he was in- In the 80s. He was on he was on 60 Minutes as the Carl Lewis of real estate. John McGrath modelled his business back at on Andrew Gibbons back in the day. Well, that's that's what Johnny said in his book. And you know, he had um, huge marketing ads. He was huge big, marketing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was a, and he sold Paradise Samur for nineteen point two on the harbour for Susan Renouf. Yeah, he ended up on the Gold Coast. He did the Century Cove clear out, right. and then, then he ended up at a, a company called Lambert Smolin, Shane Smolin, Shane Rod Sp- Lambert. Oh, so right. I started with them. They put me with Andrew, and Andrew was this sort of at the time he would have been seventy. And, and but he but he had a he had a great um, way of communicating. He wrote, wrote a beautiful letter, right? And he was a real like stickler, you know, yeah. like didn't let go, didn't let go. Yeah. So that got me into the industry, and then the first day I joined, Shane Smolin did you know three auctions in Century Cove and sold them all under the hammer, right? And I thought this is amazing. It hasn't happened on the Gold Coast since, by the way. <laughs> but 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 um, he uh, he sold three under the hammer, and I thought this is this is what I want to do, like real estate auctioneering. And so you were working to be a PA at the time, but you saw this auctioneer and you were like, that's more my jam. Uh, well, yeah, that's right. So PA auctioneering, and then if you actually uh, fast forward a little bit, and you may not know this, I actually spent a year in Double Bay working with Rod Smart. I had no when idea. I was, when I was like 20. Rod's a, a, a regal cat with his tie and his pocket square, and he's come in and he's come out, and yeah, wow. What are those things around the neck called? The um, cravat. 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 Yeah, he he's, a, he's a regal, yeah, right. Yeah, learn, learn how to dress from Rod. Wow. And um, and then I came back in when I was 21. Why did you the go to Sydney to go? Well, because Andrew. Andrew was from Sydney. He told all these stories of- the harbour, and he'd got, right. he had all his, his old marketing, right, and I thought, right. I want to go there. Yeah. Like, like and the remember, the Gold Coast was a very different place back then. Sure. Like, it's much more exciting now. A lot yep. of people used to leave the coast for their careers and come back. Right. And I went to Sydney for a year, and look, I didn't have any network. I was drinking at the Sheaf on my own. Sure. Living in Patterson Street. The sound of the um, bottles would wake me up in the morning, and I just got to a point, I was down there with a mate of mine, and we said, let's go back. Like, yeah. we went back and then started working at the same company. It had changed hands. It wasn't the same. And then a gentleman by the name of Don Marion, who's no longer with us, one of my great mentors, he said, hey, why don't you come and work at Remax? And then I said, well, I want to be an auctioneer. And he said, well, have you ever done auctions? I said, have I ever? I hadn't. <laughs> and he said, well, send me in a video. So I went back to my brother's. We were renting a, a house, and I, I filmed this pretend auction on a, on the deck. No and training it, or anything like oh, that? I'd done a bit of training okay. with Paul Kavanagh. Shout yep. out to Paul. Yeah. And um, I caught it, caught an auction, the best auction you've ever seen in my mind, <laughs> on the on the back deck. Like had friends over clapping in the background. I didn't want to uh, focus too much on the on the crowd because I didn't want it to look fake. Sure. Saw it on Hammer VHS video. Sent it to Don. Don watched it. Rang me up and said, "You're the new guy for Remax." Yeah, you're the new guy for Remax. So I got the job at 22, right? And I was the chief auctioneer for Remax. And at the time, Remax was in huge momentum. Yep, they had. I think they ended up taking 350 agents out of you Ooh. know out of some big groups in a relatively short time. They were yep. just recruitment machines. Yep, and um, you know that's where, where I learnt the art of of auctioneering and training. And from then, it took me a few years doing events, training, auctioneering, and I was traveling around all over the place. And I thought- All over Gold Coast? All over Australia. All over, Doing, okay. doing training and- Right. And um, got to a point where like, you know, I want to actually do this for myself and I want to build a business and be a part of people's lives for more than just 45 minutes and never see them again. Yeah. So that's where it came from. In 2011, my wife and I 
you know, we'd been on, back on the coast for a while. Right. We just decided to do a business. And I knew I didn't want to sell. Yep. Why not? But I, um, because it just didn't float my boat. I wanted yeah. to build a business. Like yeah. I wanted to be basically, um, you know, a stable of great people and help them grow. When I interact with you and when I even see you, how you present, obviously that comes from the auctioneering side of the business, but you've got all of these characteristics of what is a great salesperson as well. It's- Would you have me and your team, Gaff? Maybe. I I mean, it's rare that you see someone that has those qualities as well as the qualities of building a business. So there must've been a reason why salesperson, no business owner yet. Yeah. Well, I think um, I love real estate salespeople. Yeah. Like I They're do. different animals. They, they really are. Just and different. I love them. And I love the entrepreneurial nature. I love, I love salespeople. Yeah. Like I would actually hang out with real estate salespeople in my spare time. And yeah. so not everyone can say that. No. Like I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and I do. I really love them. And I, yeah. I love my mum. Bless her soul, no longer with us. She was a real estate agent. Wow. And, um, so this is generational, this stuff. Well, I was in it before her, I will say. But, okay, um, okay, but, okay. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's something that I've always, I just love hanging around, you know, entrepreneurial spirit people, which I think real estate is a great example of that. So your, your wife and you started the business, right? 2011. Yes. It, you, you wanted to be a part of people's lives. You knew sales wasn't for you. You want to attack it from a whole different angle. What were the challenges at that time? Well, the first one was, who are you? Um, why should why should we work with you? And you know, that's you a know, pretty big challenge. It's, huh? a, it's a who are and and so I did sell for the first six months, right? And well, you, I, well, you must have been known because you were an auctioneer. No, like I had I had small industry profile here, right? Like it would have been easier for me to build a business in Brisbane right. because I knew a lot more agents. That's where most of my auctioneering business was, right? But I worked out pretty quick to me that like if I'm not going to be selling in a year or two, you've got to get people to join you. Yeah. And you've got to do it quickly. Yeah. So I made a decision six months in that I, would, I was just going to stop selling because I thought, well, I can keep going down this path and where's that going to end? Yeah. I can do a million, two million GCI, but then I'm going to be stuck. Yep. The golden handcuffs will be on. So I thought, well, if I can go out and recruit and have people join our company and help them build their business, which I do enjoy more. Yeah. The recruiting. Recruiting is like a deal. Yeah. It is. It's very similar. Right. Okay. Well, I look at it a bit deeper than that. And I might be a bit delusional, but I look at it as liberation. Yeah, you know you're you're Explain that to you're me. taking people who and look this if someone's doing well yeah and they're really being supported and thriving Hard to move. they shouldn't stay they shouldn't go like stay where you are yeah and I've said that to someone last week hey yeah. Dane everything's going well I'm loving it agree, agree and you know what hey stay where you are agree. but that's not always going to be the case because sometimes people don't leave businesses businesses leave them you know the energy right. of the business changes so you can join somewhere now but in a year's time principal might be you know taking it easy, yeah. you know, yeah. stuff goes down, yeah. they change. Yeah. Yeah. And in that same business that was 10 out of 10 becomes 6 out of 10, then that person feels the effects of that energy change. Sure. I'm looking for people that- You are, can help. Yeah, that I can help. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that will benefit from our environment. And part of that's also being aware that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I mean, sure. there's certain people here that on the coast that we don't gel, they're not really our kind of people. Yeah. They're better off somewhere else. And they, they end up finding those homes. What makes your kind of person- we Is take, like a, yeah, it's easy to summarize like this. Right. We take the business seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Like, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. in a way, we are, you know, hardworking, driven people, yeah. but we've got a certain sense of self-deprecation, yeah. fun. You're chilled. You know, chilled, yeah. Chill, but you get it done. So you've got an eloquent way of speaking, chilled. <laughs> I should have just said we're chilled. <laughs> 
Interesting because I did meet a guy and I just met him once. I met him with Ptolemy. Super cool, beachy guy. He he's Ed Cherry. I should he know. is super cool. Yeah. And he's and I liked his whole vibe and we were just exchanging ideas and I was quite surprised with how he approached his business. Clearly worked really well, but obviously very different to myself. Like I would have listed my home with him. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and I'm a completely different That's right. And yeah. that's the great thing about our business, right? Is that you've got all these different personalities and characteristics, but the one denominator is they're comfortable in their own skin. And he is so comfortable in his own skin, so are you, right? Yeah. But they're Love not trying to they're it. not this trying to pretend. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that. I think that's a big nonverbal communication piece that people pick up on and you've obviously picked it up with him. Yeah, it's like there's a fine line between comfort, confidence and arrogance, right? Sometimes I think it can be misinterpreted, but if you stick to the comfort, confidence side, I think as an agent or practitioner, some great things can happen in your business. Three people to 170. How? How? Well, you've got the property management component, Fine. which-, which um, But that's a, that's a whole management. So your energy is, you, you're only one guy, My right? My wife, Kim, and Penny run that. Oh, so your wife I don't wife have anything is, to do with it. Got you. Much to their delight. Um, but but that that's um that is like and look the property management business grows from the, the, obviously it's a sales business it feeds product. right yeah so property management is a is a to me it's in line with salespeople right so yeah. salespeople bring their business to our company yeah and referrals come in so you're growing your sales team grows your you know it it organically grows a rent roll. Do you see your wife every day in the office? Yeah, but we don't talk about business much unless it's a people issue yep. that we're trying to solve and massage and help. We see each other every day. We don't interact like for hours and sure, hours. Sure, sure. Isn't and the challenges are there challenges with that because I hear that can be tough, right? You're seeing your partner in the office and you're seeing your partner at home. Does it ever kind of get too much? Or? No, it actually doesn't. She's amazing at what she does. She's very passionate about it. Her, she's got a phenomenal team, and yeah. it's it's the same ethos though. Right. So her. Her culture in property management is the same as our culture in sales, which is that which is the agent is the client, yep, and our jobs to create a hotel, you know, for people that want to stay, good service, and, and good service, and provide our team an amazing experience so they can provide the customer an amazing experience. I love that. How many on your property management? Uh, fifteen hundred. Wow. Yeah, getting there. <laughs> That's unbelievable. In terms of training, right? Obviously, you said you haven't run an auction this year. But you were doing a lot of the auctions for all you guys previously, because I remember they used to tell me, what's the training regime look like for you guys? How do you keep their skills tip top level? Are you still involved with that? We don't do compulsory sales meetings or and nothing we do is compulsory. Wow. And there's someone over there that's probably like, you know, blowing no, up but about it's, it. It's, it's interesting because it obviously freaking works really well. Yeah. Well, I think if you ask salespeople, hey, let's go have another sales meeting and talk about people's stock and you know why your vendor's overpriced and how many buys you don't have. Yeah. I think it's like a misery contest sometimes. Horrible. Let's yep. go around the room and yep. and share each other's we problems. We don't do that either. No. no, and I think a lot of people are moving away from that. Yep. What we do is we do more inspirational education. Key. So we're doing, for example, tomorrow a leadership session, which is for lead agents yep. to help lead agents build their teams. Because We've surveyed a few of our team members who are, you know, part of a, a bigger super team or a sales team. And like an EBU. big feedback is that, yeah, at EBU, yeah. a big thing is they can do more. So the people within those, those groups are telling us they can do more. Like we want more responsibility. We want to do more. So we're having a session with all of our lead agents tomorrow about, okay, how can you get the most out of your team and bring those people on the journey? Cause as you know, that's basically now running a real estate business within a real estate business. It's the, in my view, the way the future is what we try to encourage. It's what I see all the good businesses doing is building and encouraging. It's a team sport. Absolutely. And I think consumer expectation is so high without that. You'll just get 
you get smashed, right? Absolutely. And and but there is still a mentality which is hard to break when you work for someone, for someone, a salesperson. I mean, you are working for yourself, but yeah. you still sometimes need to be told, hey, this is your business. You need to take full ownership. The people in your business need to be to know what they do. They need to know when to do it. It needs to be measurable, accountable, but they also need to feel connected because these people are probably the most ambitious people in the company. Yeah. So you got to remember, like yeah. they're wanting to be agents. They're wanting to be, you know, they've, they've got career paths in mind, but they can sometimes be neglected because no one's communicating with them and taking them on that path. Yeah. So what we hope with our, with our leadership training with our agents is that they can actually bring their teams with them. So- there's a point which, with a great person joins someone's team, yeah, that's a career for them. Yeah, they can be, they can stay within that team, do more than they ever could have done on if they had own. it done on their own. And it's also more fulfilling, right? Because I notice, like, you can only go so far. And I'm speaking generally here on your own, but when you're in the right team, you can go so much further, right? Yeah. That's super important. You're pretty hands on with that, or do you have people who? Yeah, I am. So the training part. In answer to your previous question, every two weeks we'll do a session yep. for 45 minutes to an hour. You can zoom in or you can come in. And, and you do the training where you get someone else to- I, I mix it up. Yep. So I'm always involved in it, yep. whether I'm top and tailing it or whether I'm summarizing or Q&Aing or just doing a session on my own. But I'm happy to do it most of the time. But a lot of the times we'll have guests or Rob Ford, um, our sales director and so he's partner. A, yeah, he's he's a great trainer and he's involved. And we'll often bring our own team. We're going to think coastal to coastal. So we'll bring- team members in and they'll share experiences, whether it's prospecting scripts, whether it's working with a team, whether it's buyer management, seller management. We just did one with one of our top agents, Sean Kadatz, who came in. He talked through how he runs his auctions. He's a fantastic uh, clearance rate, great at getting his- What's his process? Yeah. And he talked about that and it went down really well. And it's interesting when you know his business, you know exactly what he's saying is exactly what he does. So beautifully executed, did it well. Do you remunerate him for that or he's happy to share? And- he's happy to share, yeah. I love that. Don't give him that idea or ring me. Let's, hey, Sean. Let's scrap that, all right? <laughs> Kidding, Sean. No, no. I want a clip, baby. Send me a clip. <laughs> Tell me, who is your, your top performing agent in a group? It changes between three or four, between Ptolemy, in terms of GCI. Yep, yep. We've got GCI top, we've got listing top. GCI top. GCI top, it changed between Ptolemy, the Harveys, Andrew and Michael, Katrina Walsh. So let's so talk it, about Ptolemy. It really, it really changes. Let's talk about yeah. Ptolemy an example, right? Because he's been around, I mean, he's been in real estate a long time, right? He was my first friend who was a real estate agent before I was in real estate. Great dude, dominates the penthouse, coast, you know, properties up here, uses X media to do his stuff. He's doing some good marketing. What makes him great? It's a good question. Because you've got, I mean, everywhere the competition is fierce, but I come here and I have a look around at some of the business. There are so many agents in the coast. What makes Ptolemy great? How does well, there's he- a lot of things, but I mean, the first thing Ptolemy would have to say is work ethic. Yeah. I mean, Ptolemy's work ethic's phenomenal. He was, you know, he's in here on Sunday making calls. He's often first in, last out. You always hear that, like everyone's different. A market can be different. I talk to agent after agent after business owner and I ask, what's the thing? And work ethic is always amongst the top. The other thing, so work ethic's one. The other thing is he's a specialist. Like he's known as being the luxury apartment guy on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And he's done a great job positioning himself. He's very passionate about that market. If he misses a listing on the beachfront, which is incredibly rare, like- He's inconsolable, you know. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Tom. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he and he's just in, the other thing is when you actually see him around his client base, which is high net worth individuals. Yeah. He's just like he's the millionaire whisperer. You yeah. know, he's he's so comfortable. Knows how to flow. Knows how to flow. Yeah. He's just great at bringing people together, connecting. He's very good at engaging at that level. 
anything else you notice that's kind of different that that is a nugget that someone could so you say he's got good work ethic you can say he's he can move in a room full of vultures you can say that he's a specialist what is that it the other thing which isn't just unique to Ptolemy but I talk about it with Rob all the time and I think it's a no one ever sort of mentions it but be bold like being bold is, Which can be self-deprecating. Like you said, it doesn't have to be bold, I'm the best. Oh, no. Right? I'm it, talking about calling that person that you're fearful to call. Oh, I'm talking yeah. about why can't you call yeah, that's key. James Packer. Yeah. Why yeah, can't you yeah, call yeah, him? Yeah, 100%. I love and, that. And why can't you do that? And someone's got to be his client, his agent. Why can't it be you? We talk ourselves out of so many things because it's self-limiting beliefs, whatever you want to call it, mooring lines. Yeah. And, I mean, you think, why can't I? Yeah. You can. Yeah. And it's, it, once you start having that theme, so it's been our theme for the last quarter, Rob and I. Be bold. And what's interesting is we've started to recruit really well. I mean, we're recruiting well anyway, was, but yeah. we've gone to another level because we're just making the call. We're not assuming anything. Yeah. Wow. And and when you do that, I find there's there's magic in that. And Toll doesn't care. Just if, if this person is in between him and a deal, he's going to call them. So the other great thing about Toll, coachable. Probably the most coachable person in our organization. How do you deal with egos? Because that's that's always a problem in all real estate business. What's the key method to dealing with with egos? Because it's a tough one sometimes. Because you know you've had a business now for a long time, so you've got a bunch of the old school agents, you've got a bunch of the new school agents, that the middle guys. We all have egos in ways, but it seems to kind of be amplified in this. The female ego and the male ego are different. That's right. the first thing that I had to learn that lesson very harshly. Yeah. And females out there in our organization will say, yes, he did. Yeah. Um, Why? What was that? What happened? Well, the thing is, if my ego is getting out of control, say we're business partners, yeah. right? Yeah. And my ego is getting out of control. Blokes can normally say, you, you'd say, Dana, mate. Chill the fuck come out. Come on, bro. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you just call me out on it. And yep. most blokes within the right headspace would go, yeah, you're right. Yeah. They'd cop it on the chin. Yeah. You can't do that with women. Yeah. Like, you can't go up to a woman and say, hey, don't be a dick. Yeah, of course. You can't do that. No, no. You've got to have a level of finesse. That's right, level of finesse and actually understand. And and it's it's more of a listening game. Yeah. And seeking seeking to understand instead of being understood. And I think that's that's a big lesson. And that's not something that I've don't don't think I've mastered the management of that because it's evolving. I I remember I I read a book, um, Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, about Man United. Sir Alex, you know, like you've managed Man United. He asked someone asked him that same question: How do you manage egos? And he, he was talking about Eric Cantona, you know, who yeah. was obviously yeah. awesome striker, mm-hmm. big, you know, big player and big personality, big ego. And he said, well, first of all, you've got to accept that managing egos is a wonderful problem to have. He goes, because the best players in the world have, have egos. egos. yeah. So, like, okay, there's healthy ego and then there's, you know, out of control ego. Then there's arrogant ego and there's all different forms of ego in our in our industry. A bit of ego and pride in not losing is good. Sure. And But when you get too far where it, you become a bit blind, sometimes you need someone to shine a light on it. Because yep. you know what's really interesting? I pride myself on being- Level. Ego. I'm not saying I'm egoless, but I'm, you know, and some people might be laughing when they hear this, sure. but- I kind of pride myself on the fact that I've, I'm pretty aware. Self-awareness is a bit of a superpower, right? Well, I, c- I could confirm that based just off of the conversation we had before we started this podcast and I asked you about staff retainment and you said, when they leave, it's my fault and that's how I interpret it. And you can tell straight away if you're conscious and self-aware off of that statement that you have, yeah. When you're, the, when you're the best yeah. you, yeah, that's how you take it. When you're not the best you- you blame, you know, and we all slip in and out of that. Sure. 
that's when you can get blamey. And then you, and the thing is, you don't Excuses, feel good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the thing is, once you, I, I remember I went to recruit someone about six months ago and he asked about someone that had left and they'd done well yep. since they'd left. Yep. Right. Yep. Which, um, which, which doesn't that. happen often, but it happened. Yep. And I have to own it. I said, he goes, what about this person? I said, well, they've done really well. And he goes, what did they leave? And I said, it was my fault. And they did a big deal. I didn't bring them back in. The big deal, big pay, went missing, business went flat. I should have got them, brought them back in, re-energized and re-engaged them, but I didn't and I let them down. And as a result, I lost them. And that person who's leading them now has done a really good job at that. And he said, the moment I answered that question like that and owned it, he was like, well, I want to work for this guy. Because he answered the question honestly and he didn't try and bat it off and and he owned it. Yeah. And when you own it, it's it's very powerful because you can't it's like when someone complains. Not that that would happen very often in our businesses, Gav, but <laughs> every now and then someone would complain. The best thing to do is say, you know what? That's unacceptable. And as soon as you say that, God it just me. shuts it down and they're like, okay. My famous one is I'll go, look, I'm going to conduct an internal investigation about that problem. And if I, if, if I find anything, I'm going to act on it very quickly. It's like a politician. Yeah, and then we'll drop the guard straight away. Yeah. I think all of these experiences, right, you've been doing this 10 plus years and at such a high level make you so great to work for today, I would say, right? Because you learned that lesson the hard way and I would suggest, although it doesn't mean I'm definitely right, that you would never let something like that happen again. No. Well, I'm more more aware of it and I go towards it. Sometimes that can be the best thing that ever happens to you because it, it makes you hungry. When you go out and try and talk to agents and try and ask them to join your company and they share frustrations about where they are, yeah. that process becomes extremely like, you know, sobering yeah. because they're across from you sharing things about other businesses that, oh, you know, didn't get recognized for this and you're thinking, geez, I didn't do that. So you're, you're like, really? Oh, I would never do that. And then you're straight back into your business and making sure that you're not doing the things that they're that they're feeding back. I always said that the, my best teacher, not that I want to throw anyone under the bus, was when I was an agent, there was a particular owner of a business that had handled me in a way that, although at the time wasn't a good experience, I always said and made a promise to myself that when I had high level talent, this guy has taught me what not to do. Mm. And I really always put myself or try to put myself back in that position when I need to make hard decisions or even just general day-to-day decisions with my agents and part of what I say to them to try and give them confidence, I've been where you're at. So, I'm going to be a really fair adjudicator on every one of these. And, you know, I, I kind of look at that, be the leader that you never had. Key. You know, like be try and be the leader that you never had. And it's a great question because, okay, well, you're, you're now on the other yep. side, right? Yeah. And the temptation can be just to tuck it back in and yep. do the political yep. thing, but yep. is that the right thing? Yep. And what what is that going to encourage what kind of behavior is that going to encourage in that person? Yeah, all, all very interesting. We're going to wrap up just a couple more questions. Market in the coast, has it changed much in the last six to 12 months? Not as much as what I hear from Southerners, from the Southern cities. We definitely had a pumping of the brakes when we had those sharp interest rate rises. Like we're pumping, like we're over, a, you know, 120 mil, two thirds through this month, which is sort of back to pre-COVID. Yep, numbers, well, sorry, yeah. during COVID, COVID boom numbers. Yeah. So it's still very, very strong. You know, have we had, like, I look at it like this. I kind of look at the block as an extreme example of what's kind of happening, whether yeah, it's just volatile. It's a good barometer. It's a good yeah, it's, it was almost yeah. a bit of a symbol of volatility where you've got huge result, harder no, result, same property, no exactly reason for it. Exactly what is going on in the market. Volatility, yeah. this choppy, yeah, right. You think, oh, wow, okay, it's back. And yeah. then you're like, where is everyone? On the next one. 
Yeah. You know, this will fly out the door. A bit of that going on. Yeah. But we, we've been very lucky here because the we've still got plenty of results in the higher end. And, I mean, auction results still very strong. you got to remember, like, the, the Gold Coast took – Till 2012 to recover post GFC, so there was a long big period, hit, and they, were, they, they got hit hard, yeah, like 45 yeah. percent drop, Shit. right over that period, and it was depressed. Like you'd walk around, and it was just all you had to do was smile, and people would go positivity. You know, it would be <laughs> wouldn't be hard to separate yourself. Um, but now it's like it just doesn't feel like that. It yeah. feels more like okay, it's got more um, depth to it. Yeah. And what are your methods with dealing with that? Like, how have you adjusted? How have you made sure that you keep having your $120 million months? Is it kind of stick to your process and whatever happens, it will fall where it falls? Or are you acutely aware of, hey, we have to do this. We've got to be more aggressive with X, Y, Z. What does yeah, that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if you look at it this way, the really the numbers have actually – the numbers required to do the same job has expanded. Yeah. And yeah. people – I always think people drastically underestimate the volume – of work that's required to just maintain, yeah, you know, because they- We're just having that discussion, man. Outside, yeah, yeah, it's true. And they just, they think, oh, well, I did that last year. So I'll, if I do the same thing, no, no. You'll if do you, half, if you yeah. If you did the same you did last year in real estate this year, you're winning because the market volume here, you're talking about prices, yeah, right? Which yeah. is what I thought we were talking about before. Yeah. Volume is probably down 20, 30%. Yeah. So volume of sales, yeah. which means, you know, realistically, you have to work- one third money. harder, yeah. you know, in theory, which makes sense um, in terms of connects, um, in terms of all the things that you're doing to get to that level of business. You're not the days on market's going to blow out a bit, so it's, that can be a positive too because you're yeah. going to meet more vendors. Yeah. So you're going to yeah. make sure that you're leveraging off those opportunities. Yeah. So bottom line is the answer to the question is you have to work harder. And it's interesting how all the markets are connected because they do somewhat the same, from what I can tell. Anyway, a very similar situation in Sydney. Before we wrap up, know you're a busy guy and you've got to run. If I'm in a different industry and I'm any age and I'm any gender, male or female, and I'm thinking of a change to get into real estate, what would you recommend that I do? Yeah, it's a great question. Because we're getting into a climate where you just said is, I would have thought if you can establish yourself, learn behavior, skill set in this sort of environment, it would put you in good stead to clean up in time. But you tell me, what what would you do if you were in this position? You're thinking, I'm not what I'm doing right now isn't lighting my fire. I'm listening to this podcast constantly. I keep hearing all these great people. What are my first steps to ensure that it's my insurance policy? I have a successful career in real estate. I'll just give you another piece before I answer that. I heard something recently, which there's a difference between learning and practicing. Yeah. You know, learning is, and how many people in our industry, right, yeah. listen to podcasts yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, Gav yeah. and I've and heard they it, and, and they, 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 they're in this eternal state of pump up motivation Yeah, and I'm going to get there and they've got a picture of a Ferrari on the wall yeah. Yeah. and they're 22 and they're living with mum Yeah, and like they haven't actually got their own, you know, their own, they haven't paid off their own car yet Sure, and it's like they're, they're trying to get from A to Z really quickly. Learning is listening and learning and taking notes and going to ARIC and all those things, practicing is doing it and that's the best teacher. You know, yeah. so to me, the first thing I'd say to that person is make sure that you're learning from action and practice yeah. rather than learning the from detail. theory and staying in the theory world. Just it, it's an erodes your confidence and it's it can be a form of paralysis. Yeah. You know, I'm staying over here and I'm feeling good, but I'm not actually going out there and making calls and getting rejected and you know, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. But what but what I would say to that person starting brand new, the first thing I would say is I'd say go and find an elite agent that's good to work for, that's a good person, that's got a good reputation. Yep. 
don't, they don't have to be like the best, like in terms of GCI, but just someone who you you want to be like, yeah, love. and you emulate that you connect with, that you that you admire the qualities in that person you admire, and actually go and work for them. Yeah, even if you have to work for free for a period of time, go and work for that person and do your apprenticeship. Yep, and learn. How long should an apprenticeship take, in your view? Until you're ready, and I'd be guided by the that agent. person. Okay, yep. Until you're ready uh, to go out there and do it on your own. And as we said, you're not necessarily going to go that way if you're part of a super team and you've got good leadership. But the other thing I, I think is interesting is if I was advising someone to cold start, like, and they just said, no, I want to be an agent, I'd actually probably have a bit of a, probably a bit more of a guerrilla warfare mentality now where I'd just go and do whatever you had to do to get a listing. Yeah. And would you encourage that? Like if someone said you no experience, didn't want to support a PA, just said, I want to go straight into becoming an agent, would you say, all right, let's go guerrilla warfare on these? I've done it before and it's <laughs> only an exceptional person. Like it's yeah, only yeah, the people that you know yeah. have had that corporate got, background yeah, that yeah. you can, you know, yeah, that you yeah, can know because they yeah. just they don't take no for an answer. Yeah. We've had some good examples of that, but not many. If you have a look at a lot of the guys who are at the top, it started with working with a good agent, right? Because there's right. an art to this craft. People can say what they want or what they will about agents, but the top guys, there is a real art Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. Yeah? But, but my point is like someone would spend, say you're a new person, right? And you're in the office and you're staying at late at night, you're making calls, no one knows who you are. Yeah. You know, you get an appraisal. Right, you go out to that appraisal. It's a listing. Yep, like bells are going off, pumped. Yep. Right, you're going up against Gavin Rubinstein. Yeah, right, I'm going to eat you for breakfast. You're gone. Man. Yeah, and, and, and not only that, you've just been to a scripts and dialogue session, oh, and, and they said, "Hey, two and a half percent plus GST, full marketing up front," and 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 you know, and you're going, "Okay, I'm going to get this because you know, hey, you know what? If you're getting heart surgery, which heart surgeon would you choose?" and Good luck with that, yeah. right? You yep. miss it. You yep. come back to the office. What have I done wrong? Yeah, I followed well, everything. Yeah. That's right. And you, and and then how hard did you have to work to get in that door? So hard. Mm. My point is, get the listing. I don't care. Like I'm not suggesting free, but even if it's free, yeah. right? Yeah. That listing is the passport for the next listing. I love that. It's like that yeah. next. You get that listing. It doesn't matter like whether you're getting paid on that listing. Yeah. That listing is credibility in the market, yeah. something to prospect Spring around, board, baby. open home, yeah. meet people. Yeah. That's what you want to get in the game as soon as you can. You're not in the game no, until you've you got a, a listing. listing. Yeah, and I so, used to say that the if you all you were doing was getting one commission from a sale, you were failing because yeah. it was the opportunities that presented to kind of springboard off to create. Sorry, continue. I was just saying like that, that first listing, in my advice is just get one as soon as you can. doesn't matter how you get it. Yeah, right. And when you get it, prospect around it and and you will look back on your career and go that's where it all started what if you contact an agent who's experienced and he's like i've got no time for you yeah what do you do then well you'd be best to um coach on that because <laughs> you get that all the time um well you know what P politely being persistent is an opportunity politely to demonstrate how what kind of a follow-up yeah, person yeah, yeah. you are and i always think i love it when people do that Same. and then they joke about it. it and then like someone says hey there's a fine line between follow-up and stalking just let me know when i'm Crossing the line, you know, that's that. a cool line. And yeah. I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. So like people who do it well, I would say to the, to the people who are trying to get a job, yep. right, if anyone's listening, yep. politely follow up. Yeah. But be Constantly. persistent. Yeah. You've got to be, be constant. In face. My best people have come from that, right? Because I like to put people through a process. You want to contact me for a job, like we were discussing before, a lot of people will do it for the wrong reasons. So I like to cut straight through that, not interested. But if they come back at me over the course of three, six, seven months, approach me differently, I'm like, yeah, let's hire you. Don't do it in the Eminem Stan, you know, that, that song where he's just a, he's just a fanatical follow-up person yeah, that's no, just that's, aggressive. Yeah, no, do, it like in a, do it in a polite way. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference between stalking and- Absolutely. And aggressive versus polite and, you know, 
taking the fun out of it. Yeah, I love that. Dane, Athen, and I appreciate your time so much, my friend. Pleasure. Appreciate the chat and um, I'll continue to watch with uh, respect. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes. 